What's happening? And welcome to another Crossroads Connect podcast. Here we discuss everything from current Crossroad events to trending topics to how we can reconcile God's truth with the real world we live in. Well, hey, what's going on? And welcome to another episode of the Crossroads Connect podcast. Uh, as always, I'm here with Pastor Matt Manning. Uh, I mean, always up to this point anyway. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing well, Jared. How are you doing today? Doing really, really good. So uh, on our episode today, we're looking forward to talking a little bit about our favorite music and music that inspired us as we grew up. Um, I'm really interested to learn, Matt, what kind of music shaped you as a youth. And so we'll learn about that today. We're also going to talk a little bit about singing in the church and why do we gather together why do we sing? That That's not typically a normal thing outside of a, a concert, but a concert has a different feel than, than our purpose as we gather together as the church. And so we'll talk a little bit about why we sing in church. And lastly, we'll go into our Ask Anything segment where we will let you know, can you or can you not lose your salvation? And so um, that that is our show today. So Pastor Matt, growing up, what kind of music were you into yeah, so I guess I'll start with really kind of the first CD I ever bought. So I kind of missed the whole like tape thing, you know? So tapes were uh-huh. like going out when I really started listening to music like in the early 90s. And I can remember buying my first ever like boombox, you know, uh-huh. the, the speakers and the CD player on top. In fact, my kids had it up until last year, and then I think one of them dropped it from their bunk bed. And that was the end of, of that 30 year stereo, but it was still working. Anyways, I remember the, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) I remember my very first CD that I ever bought was MC scat cat. Do you remember MC Scat Cat? I it was don't this remember MC Scat Cat. <laughs> it was this uh, cartoon cat that showed up with Paul Abdul on uh, certain music videos or whatnot, and they ended up making a whole CD of MC Scat mm-hmm. Cat, and I thought that was pretty sweet. So That's funny. I bought, uh, I bought that CD. Later on in my listening years, uh, U2 was a big band that I loved uh, to follow like in the late uh, 90s. And then actually when I was an intern at uh, Crossroads, I actually had the music pastor at the time. His name was Billy Cameron. He was in the office right next to me. And he came in one day and he told me that I had the most eclectic uh, music ears that he had ever heard because some days I would be listening to rap and then other days I would be listening to like Beethoven. Nice. And so, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of this, uh, this, this weird guy when it comes to music. I, I, I like to listen to good music. There you go. It can come in all forms. Yes. Yes. How about <laughs> you? What, what kind of music shaped your life? Yeah. So, uh, I, we had a guy living with us, uh, when I was young, I can't remember how old I was, but he worked at the family Christian bookstore. And so he brought my first tape. I did have a couple of tapes. And the first tape that he brought home to me was a sample of DC Talks New Thing. And so actually, no, it wasn't New Thing. It was Jesus Freak. It was when Jesus Freak was coming out. And so then yeah. I went and I and I started listening to DC Talk. Uh, and they were one of my first concerts that I went to was DC Talk and Audio Adrenaline. Uh, but then bef- I know that I went to a concert before that, though, because I went and I saw Amy Grant in concert, and I also saw okay. Carmen. 
Wow. <laughs> and wow. Carmen. Yeah. Yeah. Riot was was the Carmen. And so I it was my 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 older sister actually. She we had a foster sister who is living with us and she so she was older and, and she took me to those concerts. Um and I remember actually at the Amy Grant concert, that's where I got my first migraine. So uh I, oh. I don't know if it was the loud noises or what, but I remember everyone's <laughs> up and singing. I also I don't remember the music so much, but I remember someone shouting from the crowd, I love you, will you marry me? And Amy Grant oh. responded, Where were you ten years ago? Or something like that. <laughs> because Oh she, nice. She, nice. She was already married at that point. So Oh, uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. That's funny. So you yeah. know that we had a, a worship guy for a while here at Crossroads. His name is Billy Sprague. Uh, he wrote some pretty cool songs uh-huh. when it comes to worship songs and Christian music, particularly in the 80s and early 90s. And for a while, he traveled with Amy Grant. Oh, and really? So, uh, yeah, so that was that was kind of a cool thing. And Interesting. So, speaking of speaking of Amy Grant, yes. so yeah, when it when it came to uh, Christian music, DC Talk was best was was really big. Uh, Reliant K a little bit later on. Do you remember Reliant K? Uh, Reliant K formed my life in high school, actually. So I felt like every, every stage. So every album that came out, I actually liked them, uh, before they were big. Uh, Reliant K came to Colorado and they played at a church in Arvada and it was the OC Supertones, uh, Switchfoot and Reliant K. And nobody knew who Reliant, nobody knew who Reliant K was. And I went specifically to see Reliant K. And so when, uh, the Supertones were playing, I actually left and went out into the lobby and Reliant K was just hanging out with nobody, uh, because nobody knew who they were. And so I just kind of hung out with them for a while. Um, and, uh, (laughs) so that, that was a lot of fun. And Matt Hoops was actually Matt. Both the Matts grew up in the Friends Church, which is the which is my background. And so I had a friend in college who Matt Hoops was his his camp counselor uh, when he was uh, in, in high school or middle school. I can't remember. But so anyway, yeah, Reliant K. That was the first solo I learned was softer to me uh, by Reliant K. Nice. Nice. So there's a little history. Yeah. So, yeah. So they were pretty big when I was, I'm a few years older than you. And so they were, they were just getting big when I was in college. And so Mm -hmm. I have a similar story with Reliant K of them showing up in Omaha and, you know, it was like 50 of us who went and saw them and that was like the whole crowd, you know? And so yeah, I can, I can remember that. So yeah, that's a, that's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we have a lot of commonalities in our story, Matt, which, uh, come out in weird ways. Uh, the other one was that you did a young adult service called the vine. And, uh, we also started a young adult service called the vine probably around the same time, which is just really funny to me. Um, that it must, it must've been like the end thing, right? Like everybody must've been in John 15 and been like, you know, what would be cool for a Mm -hmm. young thing to be called is the vine. The vine, absolutely. The vine, and then the, the vine. And then the vineyard came out and all kinds of good stuff. So, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah the, so, go ahead. Oh, I was going to just say, the last concert I went to was Third Day, and it was a long time ago. Um, and the reason that it was a long time ago is I went with Nathan Gerlings, who's a great friend of mine uh, and a worship leader at Crossroads. In fact, the last couple of weeks, he's been leading up at Fort Lupton, and so I got these tickets to go. And it was at the uh, First Bank Center. 
in Broomfield. Yep. And we went and our tickets were front row. And so we were right in front of the bass speaker, which was bigger than me. And I felt like I like totally got blown up during that concert and just totally beat up. Like I woke up the next morning sore because of like just the bass vibes pounding uh-huh. on us all night. And, uh, I decided at that point at age 32 that I was probably too old to do concerts anymore. And yeah. so, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that was the last concert I attended. But I, I still listen to a lot of music. So for sure. We we actually uh, I listened to a lot of MXPX growing up as well. And we were nice. we, we we were a worship band at a camp and we did an MXPX cover band, which was a lot of fun. And my best friend growing up. Man, he must have, he just turned 35. And so his wife organized a bunch of people to go to an MXPX concert for his 35th birthday. And I had the, I didn't go. (laughs) I mean, sorry, Nick, I love you. But I was like, man, I just don't know if I can go to a concert. I don't know if that would be, I I would feel weird and out of place like I was really old. But maybe it was just a (laughs) bunch of old people there anyway. So who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Well, MXPX, maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah, I've been to a few. I I don't know. Do you you classify like the uh, Jesus culture and Hill songs? Are those concerts or are those more like really long worship services that because uh, they, they I, even take time usually to preach at you and everything. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I, I guess I've been to a few of those since the third day concert, but like where mm-hmm. I went just to like enjoy music that I wouldn't normally sing in church. It was the third day concert. Yeah. 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 The last one I went to was Ren Collective. Okay. So, which is the same kind of experience, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to classify that, those. I don't either. Uh, there is, I want to tell you one more story. And this was okay. uh, when I first went to college. It was my freshman year. And we would go down to a camp in, in Ark City, Kansas. And it was kind of like the the kickoff weekend for college. It was kind of this retreat getaway thing. And so... It was my first time being away from home, and a bunch of, uh, of of guys wanted to go to Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and watch Blindside. I don't know if you know who Blindside are. Um, so they're kind of... I, I don't. He, he sings and screams, and uh, I like them a lot. They're from uh, Sweden. They're a band from Sweden. And uh, I'll, it, I've... I remember it was the first time I didn't have to ask my mom and dad if I could go somewhere. And so I felt like uneasy, like I'm like, I didn't tell anybody. We're just driving to this city to go watch this concert and I didn't tell anybody. And it was kind of felt like an adult for the first time. But uh, I remember my friend Dave, uh, there was this song that he had been to a Blindside concert before where he went on stage and sang with the guy like during this song. And so when the song came on, he quickly put his hands together and had us boost him up. And he actually climbed up the speakers and went onto the stage to go sing with the guy. And the security <laughs> guys just come and, you know, to grab him. And he's so hot and sweaty awesome. that as soon as they grab him, he like slips through their fingers and dives back into the crowd. <laughs> and it was awesome. It was like wrestling uh, a pig, huh? Oh, man, it was so good. And, man, it, it was a really, really fun experience uh, to get to go. And, and it's just a very vivid memory that I have of, of seeing, blind, <laughs> seeing Blindside in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Oh, man, so, those are those are experiences that shape our youth, right? 
those kind of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so I know that one thing that is, is kind of interesting for the church, which is different than uh, something that happens uh, just I mean, we all, most people go to concerts and they love music and there's something special that happens when, when music is being played and the way that it, it can really pull on our, on our emotions. Um, and so I wanted to have a conversation with you today, Matt, a little bit about why, why does the church sing? What is the purpose yeah. behind us uh, singing together? Uh, I, we do it every single week. Um, and, and now there's other, you know, worship bands that are coming up and, and, and things like that, that are putting out really good music, uh, but maybe you can just dive in a little bit about uh, what what's the theology behind why we sing, and, and and is it a good is it good that we do it together? Yeah, no, those are those are important questions. I feel like you're you're hitting me with your own ask anything this week, and so, but I'll oblige and I'll answer the question when it comes to singing and why we sing. Uh, really, when it comes to singing in the church. Um, we know that like throughout history that singing has been a big part of not just the church, but also uh, part of the Jewish faith. And when we look into the New Testament specifically, there's like two passages, maybe a few more, but two specifically that really address uh, singing when we're together. And so one of those is the famous one in Ephesians chapter five, um, it's 18 through 20. And it says, be filled with the spirit addressing one another in Psalms, which were songs and hymns, which are songs and spiritual songs singing and make melody to the Lord with your heart, right? Giving thanks always for uh, everything that God the Father's done for you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so, uh, like, that's one of the spaces where we're actually, uh, that's command language. Be filled with the Spirit and that we are to sing with one another um, to the glory of God. And then the other one that we really see is in Colossians chapter 3, where it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And then he says, singing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, uh, thankfulness in your heart uh, to God. And so again, there's this um, reality that when it comes to at least Paul and the way that he saw worship happening in the church is that it was this understanding of, of God really uh, coming in you, dwelling in you richly, and then our expression of that richness of our relationship is found in song, which is unique to culture, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, and, and it's something that isn't odd to culture. I mean, uh, people, you know, we love. I mean, that's why Disney's so popular, right? Is because people really love the music and love the songs. And uh, you know, we were listening, watching Frozen too, and my daughter's in the back singing along. You know, and so uh, uh, there. There's something unique that happens through music. Uh, I know that they did a scientific study that said uh, if you're listening to music, you don't actually have to process the words for it to go into your long-term memory. Uh, and mm. so where with when we're just talking, I have to be intentional to try and think and remember uh, things, which is why I probably, I don't know this to be true, but it could be possible. That's why they say play Mozart and different you know, classical music to your kids is because it actually helps their learning and their development. Um, and so uh, there's just something cool that happens when the church gathers together. And I think it's less about uh, really what style we're singing and more about the motivation of our heart, right? And I think that as a church, we've had a lot of battles over, over music style uh, where one style is actually not better 
than another. God's not saying, no, I like this style of music and I don't like that style of music. I think music is just music and we have our preferences. But what it comes down to is, is what's motivating my heart to sing. When I go to a concert, am I, uh, I think that at least like Jesus culture or something like that can do a really good job of, of putting on a really good presentation and still turning my heart to God. Um, and, mm. but then you can have a secular concert where the whole point is to come and see how awesome I am. Right. And so mm-hmm. to me, it's, it's the motivation of the people playing the music and it's the motivation of the people in the room and the church should really be gathering for the motivation of, of really honoring and worshiping God and, and giving credit where credit is due. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, when it comes to corporate worship, what we see specifically in the Bible is that really the root of our singing and our our worship is in the Word of God, right? So we don't just sing, you know, um, our opinions or just simply, you know, whatever comes to mind. Um, but what we're actually singing about is what God's revealed to us, right? And so that's why some of the old great hymns are so so huge, right? Great is thy faithfulness. Uh, that comes right mm-hmm. out of Scripture, um, as does the new uh, modern songs of even from oceans, right? Like those are pulled right out of the Psalms. And so mm-hmm. when we sing our songs, like it's always grounded in uh, what God has revealed to us. And then I think that as we kind of walk through our worship and what makes our worship and our singing Uh, really unique is that our hearts are actually moved by the fullness of the spirit, right? That's what Paul's talking about both in Ephesians and in Colossians is that there's a fullness of the spirit within us and our affections overflow in thanks in thanksgiving and thankfulness. And those things that thanksgiving actually is demonstrated when we, as Paul said, make a melody with our heart, right? That when we sing that, that it is moving, that is, that is our thankfulness moving out. And so uh, one of the reasons that we actually changed our format at Crossroads Church when it comes to our weekend services is because of this understanding that the mind is alive with the truth of God, right? They, like we process what God has given to us in his word, and then our response or when our heart comes alive is when we sing, right? Like that's our affections that we're moving towards God. And so uh, engaging both the mind and the heart are so important in worship uh, and both of those happen through teaching and singing, uh, through some of the sacraments of the faith as well. Uh, but that's really when it comes to our corporate worship, like we begin with what God has revealed to us. We sing because of our thankfulness of, of, uh, of heart, of realizing that, um, that reality inside of us. Yeah, for sure. I really appreciated what you said in your message a couple of weeks ago of talking about, man, if Jesus is really in me and if I'm living with him, I can't help but express that passion, you know, uh, and I think that uh, music gives us an excellent opportunity as well to express that passion of, of being able to sing with our voices, to be able to to move our bodies. Right. David, we see dancing, uh, you know, he's naked in the streets, dancing around and everyone thinks yeah. he's crazy and he's he's expressing, man, God is is so good and and I can't keep it in anymore. I think of like a football game, right? When I'm passionate about a football game, I can't help but stand up and start screaming and yelling and, you know, tackle that guy or he's whatever it might be. You know, we, we get excited in that moment. And, uh, to me, we have that opportunity every week to really express ourselves, uh, and, and give God complete, uh, glory through, through the demonstration of our heart and through the demonstration of our actions. 
Yeah, and it's so interesting to me that when we come together for corporate worship and are singing, that the reason that we all sing is because there's something about the body of Christ coming together that when we lift our voices together, that it's actually encouraging one another, right? Like the idea behind Ephesians chapter 5 is not just that we're singing to God. We are definitely singing to the glory of God. But Paul mm-hmm. also says, be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in these songs. Like, mm-hmm. like part of our singing is... My singing is to the encouragement of you. And mm-hmm. God says that that's important, um, that in my singing, in my thankfulness, in my affections, that is seen in song, that it's important that you see that and that you participate with me in that for your own edification when it comes to your faith. And uh, that's something that's not full in our culture, right? Like, like when it comes to our culture and we go to a Beach Boys concert and we sing Beach Boys songs, you know, um, we're singing it because we, we like the song and we know the lyrics and it's catchy and it's fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And while that, all those things may be true in the church world, uh, there's also uh, an overlaying thing that says this is also worship to God mm-hmm. uh, and encouragement to one another. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good, Matt. Um, so I'm sure that, I mean, this is... Music is always such a hot topic in the church. At least it has been for the last 20 years of my life. Um, And so uh, I think that it's a real scheme of the enemy to try to split us up in in those things, you know, to make us disunified when it's supposed to be something that's supposed to draw us together in unification. Yeah. Yeah, we can never forget Psalm 100, which is my dad's favorite verse in all of the Bible, I think. He quoted it all the time to us. Uh, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, serve the Lord with mm-hmm. gladness, come into his presence with singing, right? And uh, our music is supposed to be an edifying, encouraging thing for one another and ultimate worship to God. And sadly, throughout the years of the church, it's been the thing that has uh, disunified and broken the church more than anything. And so you're right, uh, something that God intended to good for good, uh, we have a way of sometimes mm-hmm. losing sight of the yeah. goodness uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and allowing it to disrupt really our worship. Yeah. I blame Adam. <laughs> As you should. <laughs> uh, well, Matt, let's, uh, this is good. Uh, thanks so much for your, your thoughts on that. And, uh, uh, I'm sure that we can have more conversation on that later, but let's go ahead and jump into our ask anything segment for today. Ask anything. Ask anything. Ask anything. Ask anything. So for Ask Anything, uh, we are going to look at, uh, again, these are questions that people have written in uh, for our Ask Anything series, and then we're we're coming back around and and answering these questions. And so uh, specifically today we're asking, can we lose our salvation, uh, or is there something that we can do to make ourselves no longer saved? So I'm a person, I've accepted Jesus uh, into my heart. Can I lose it? Can, uh, you know, if I, if I do something, uh, if I sin today, oh man, I lost my salvation. Do I need to ask for Jesus to come and fill me again? And so Matt, uh, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you uh, to, to answer that, at least start the answering process for us. Yeah. So yeah, I think the way that I answer that and the way that Crossroads answers that is that uh, we cannot uh, lose our salvation. That when we believe in Jesus, uh, that we believe in what we would call the work of the Holy Spirit, the, the preserving work of the Holy Spirit, 
that the Spirit is preserving uh, our souls or sealing our souls uh, in order that we might uh, live out what God has for us in our lives. And so two of the big passages that we look at is one is really in uh, Romans chapter 8. It's probably the most famous, maybe of all the Bible verses outside of John 3.16. But Paul's going through this and he asks the question, like, what can separate us from God's love? Like, is there anything in this world that can separate us from God's love? And the reality is, is we're children right? If, if we've been adopted as children and that God has shown his love to us, then this is a legitimate question. Like, is there anything as a child that I can do that will separate me from God's love? And Paul's answer is no, right? Like, like it's not like there's that he says, I'm sure that neither life nor death nor angels or rulers or things present or things to come powers, heights, depths, not anything else in all of creation, which includes yourself, right? Like, like I'm part of creation Uh, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God uh, who is in Christ Jesus. And so uh, that's a powerful verse when it comes to this question of can we lose our salvation uh, in in reality of of what the scriptures teach. So uh, I don't disagree with what you're saying, Matt. I just wanted to bring up uh, this scripture in Matthew, which is where I'm assuming this question comes from. Um, It's been labeled as the unforgivable sin. Um, And so Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 says, I'll start in 30, actually, whoever's not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in this age to come. So So maybe you could give me, uh, I don't know if you had that verse on your radar or not, but I thought I'd go ahead and throw it at you um, to see uh, what, what, how do you, how do you process that piece of scripture? Yeah. You're speaking specifically of the unforgivable sin there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that um, when it comes to the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and that unforgivable sin, um, that that's really a verse that's speaking to the denial of, of God, right? Um, mm-hmm. We're taught that it's the spirit that is the one that awakens our souls, right? It's the spirit that enables us to see. Uh, Christ said himself that it's better that I leave so that you can have the spirit dwelling within you. Uh, it was Jesus who said that the spirit is is our advocate and I'm sending him to you, right, as your counselor. And so the spirit, while sometimes in our faith world, uh, we do a terrible job of recognizing the spirit's role in our life. When it comes to the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I think it's when we take all of those verses that I just mentioned and we refuse to, to believe them um, as humans. And when we reject God, that is the ultimate... Uh, unforgivable sin, uh, in this life. And I don't know that we can do that as, I I guess I, what I'd say is we can't do that as true believers. Now we can get into the argument of does someone, did someone really believe or not? And I think that's where Jesus goes down the path of the different seeds in the soil, the four seeds in the soil, uh, in that passage of what does true belief look like? But I think that once we're children, once we're saved, uh, that there's again, nothing that can separate us and that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is something that children of God uh, can't do, if that makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's kind of 
how I would process the Ed as well. I, I'm trying not to use the word interpret because I don't think that scripture is up for our interpretation necessarily. Uh, but what, what my understanding is, uh, we all get the choice, right? We're all presented with a choice. Do I want to believe and follow Jesus or do I not? And so when I think of blasphemy of the spirit, it's almost like someone saying, I reject God and I don't want anything to do with him. And I'm a firm believer that God doesn't drag people. God doesn't grab people, drag people into the kingdom, kicking and screaming like, no, you're coming. I don't care if you don't want to come. I'm making you because I love you and you're going to sit here with me. Like he just doesn't do that. Um, And so if, if I make the choice, forget you, I don't want anything to do with you. I think that God honors that decision. Um, And so that, that's not me losing my salvation. That's me really rejecting salvation as opposed to, to losing it. Right. Um, And so, absolutely. uh, So that, that's how I read that. And, And so I would say, blasphemy of the spirit, you know, or blasphemy of God is saying, uh, maybe, you know, even the demons believe, right? James tells us that the demons believe in God, but, uh, they don't follow him. And so I can believe that God is who he says he is and just say, that's great. I still don't like you and I don't want anything to do with you. Um, and so that to me feels like, uh, blasphemy. Um, and it, God, it's not that God doesn't want to forgive it. Um, I think that God in, in, in his love for us and his compassion for us, uh, is ready. Uh, He's done everything he can to forgive us by sending Jesus at, you know, to pay the ultimate price, uh, for forgiveness of sins. But if we reject it, like that's his way to salvation that, and that's, that's it, you know, that that's, it's either that way or, or, or not. And so, uh, that's the choice that we get to make. Yeah, absolutely. I think that where we land is, you know, where Paul says he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it to the very end, right? That's Philippians. And this is a promise of God that what he starts in our souls, he intends to finish. And if we have salvation, genuine faith, then you can never lose it, right? Like if you lose it, then you never actually had it. That's, that's part of the argument that Paul's making there. Now, the reality is that we all know people that have made professions of faith and then turned away. And that's really what the question is, is after, right? And the, uh, in John, the disciple John actually writes about this when he speaks about those who've, who uh, left the disciples. And he says of them, those who went out from us were never really with us. That's first John chapter two. And when you look at that, you go, well, of course they were with the disciples. Like in terms of outward appearances, they were with the disciples. They had made outward professions of faith. But for John, he says, no, you, you don't understand. They weren't actually ever with us. And then I think taking that a step further, that Jesus even makes it even more clear um, that it's possible for a person to say that they love him and not actually truly believe that in their heart, which goes back to our affections thing that we spoke about when it comes to worship, right? That, that when Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Like, I think that's what he's speaking out in those spaces. And then the Matthew chapter seven, scariest verse in all of the Bible, right? Depart from me, I never knew you. And interestingly mm-hmm. in that, you know, when Jesus says that, um, he's saying, I knew you for a season, uh, or what he's not saying, I should say, uh, Jesus isn't going to say that I knew you for a season and then you left me. No, rather what he says is that, that you were never with me. Just like John says that they, they weren't actually with us. Jesus uses the same words here. And the whole purpose of God's salvation is really to bring his people into safety of heaven. Like that's, that's what it is. And so if he starts, then his promise is, is that he's going to finish 
And not only, like I said earlier, does he initiate the Christian life with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit actually sanctifies us. He convicts us. He helps us. He ensures us. He helps preserve us to the end. And so uh, I think that that's like just from the apostles slash disciples in Jesus's view of can you lose uh, your salvation? The reality is, is if you can, it's because you never had. Right. So some people bring up, you know, Hebrews 6 always comes up in this with the, the sin of apostasy, you know. And uh, when it comes to that, uh, there's a lot of different ways uh, to believe that. I think that we always have to interpret Hebrews chapter 6 in light of Hebrews chapter 10. It's the same content, same mm-hmm. context. And in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says, By one offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Uh, and the Greek word there is present tense, like it's an ongoing action. So by one offering, he has perfected ongoingly for all time those who are being sanctified. And so if Hebrews 6 really means that um, you could be justified by the blood of Jesus and then lose that standing with God, then chapter 10, verse 14 seems to have no meaning. And so for us, we have to take a step back and really evaluate what Mm -hmm. are all these verses look like? And when we put them together, what does genuine faith look like? And... Ultimately, it's where we get to the point where we would say, once saved, always saved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know that's if good, any yeah. of that rambling made sense, but that's no, no, how no, I would it does. It, it makes it makes a lot of sense and, and it's really, really good. And I hope that it puts some people's hearts and mind at ease um, uh, that might be wrestling with that question. So uh, quick summary. Music is good. We use it to edify uh, one another and glorify God and uh, put your faith in Jesus and, and you are set. He will, he will bring you through to completion. And so you don't have to walk around in fear uh, as we walk with Jesus. So uh, Matt, thanks so much for, for chatting with me today. Uh, man, I really feel like this was good. We had a lot of good, good conversation. Uh, we're really looking forward on October 25th. We're starting a new series called Boundaries. If you uh, haven't heard of it yet, it's going to be really, really good. Uh, it's a, a one you're not going to want to miss, uh, one that you're probably going to want to invite some people to, to hear these things. Um, uh, uh, October 25th, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Uh, we have a lot of stuff, uh, going on with, with the boundary series as well, uh, where we will be, uh, doing some Facebook live stuff and things like that. So stay tuned for that. Be excited for it. Cause it's going to be good.